Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You are being watched. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Person of Interest. These people irrelevant. We don't. Hunted by the authorities. We work in secret. You'll never find us. But victim or perpetrator, if your number's up, we'll find you. We'll be discussing season four, episode 21, titled Asylum. A phenomenal, phenomenal penultimate episode uh, that does a really amazing job of kicking off this sort of race to the finish that we're getting with uh, this episode and the finale. Like, sort of brilliantly kicking off this, like, last little push of story before we get into the fantastic final season. Oh god, I cannot wait to talk about season 5. I'm getting ahead of myself. This episode's great. This second to last episode of season 4 is really, really spectacular. So, there's a lot to talk about here. Uh, I guess we'll start with uh, the escalating gang war. The continuing escalating gang war between Elias and the Brotherhood. Uh, Both of them are stepping up. Both of them are reinforcing themselves. Both of them are gearing up for this inevitable final confrontation. Uh, Reese and Fusco show up and find these multiple dead, uh, multiple dead Brotherhood guys in a courthouse. And they find a canister from, like, some pneumatic tubes that point to an old bank that Elias's base of operations is now in. Also, just a little tiny piece of information. Uh, both Dominic and Elias's numbers have come up. So, uh, yeah, the machine's quite literally... Even the machine is like, yeah, these guys are definitely about to kill each other. These guys are definitely about to just straight-up murder one another. It's gonna be bad. Like, everyone is kind of seeing where this is heading. So, Reese and Fusco are trying to defuse the situation... So they go to Elias and is like, and they're like, "Hey, you wanna, you wanna leave the city? You wanna go anywhere other than here?" And Elias is like, "No, no, I'm gonna get my revenge. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take down Dominic. I'm gonna get my little, uh, my little vengeance deal. Uh, I'm not leaving. I'm, I'm making my last stand." Da-da-da-da. And then, like at that exact moment, Dominic shows up and captures Elias, captures Reese captures Fusco, and just has them all captured, and is ready to interrogate them on, well, first off, Dominic needs all the intel Elias has to maintain his grip on the city, to maintain his grip on all the crime in New York, he needs Elias to transfer the balance of power, uh, and he needs whatever... Uh, Bond, Reese, and Fusco have with him. He wants the level of, like, symbiotic relationship that they have with one another. And he wants to know more about Reese's operation with Finch and all that. And he's doing these interrogations 
with the help of Harper. Harper, it would appear, has switched sides, uh, has taken up Dominic's offer, has joined the Brotherhood, and is feeding Dominic intel on Reese and his whole deal. Uh, he feed, uh, She feeds Dominic information about Finch, for example. So now he knows Harold by name. Uh, he knows that there's some form of surveillance he has on the city. And he is demanding that system. Now, take a step back and think about what this means for a second. Think about what Dominic is asking. Unbeknownst to him... He is demanding control over the machine in order to keep this, like, tight authoritarian authoritarian grip on New York. This is like a city mob boss demanding to have access, demanding control of an all-powerful artificial intelligence. God, I love Dominic. Can, can, can I just say this for a second? Like, I'm, I'm gonna get on a bit of a tangent here. God, Dominic's such a good villain. God, Dominic is just, like, the absolute best. I I love this dude so much. And honestly, like, Dominic, I feel, as a villain in sort of the macro person of interest space, I feel like he was very underutilized to a certain extent. Uh, I mean, obviously, his storyline in this season is incredible. Obviously, his storyline in this season is so freaking good, and they handle him so freaking well, but this is selfish fanboy talking now. This is greedy, selfish fanboy who demands something more than perfection. Like, I honestly believe if, if a villain like Dominic, or Dominic himself, was introduced earlier in the series, like season's two or three, I think he absolutely could have been, like, this big, overarching, multi-season, constant imposing threat on the level of Greer, or on the level of HR, Uh, maybe even better than either of those two, but, of course, he got introduced in the penultimate season of the show, uh, so he had the misfortune of getting introduced at probably the worst possible time as a character to make your case for being a multi-season, always present, ever imposing bad guy. Because, like, as we get into the final season, without spoiling the finale for anyone who hasn't seen this show, like, eventually, when you get into your final season, you do have to kind of consolidate, especially when the fifth season is, like, Almost half the length. I think, like, just a little bit over half the length of your normal season. Most of the Person of Interest seasons are 22, 23 episodes. The final season is 13. So, when you're that close to the end, you do have to consolidate. And the writers did ultimately have to choose one over the other. Uh, Given how much emphasis this show puts on Samaritan, and given how much emphasis this puts on Dominic, I think you can guess which one they chose. Like, I, I don't think you need me to tell you, given all of those context clues. But honestly, like, if he had been introduced just a couple seasons earlier, he could have been so much bigger than he ended up being. And again, like, what we got from Dominic was 
this season was perfect and amazing. Like, this is greedy, selfish fanboy demanding more than perfection. But still, like, <laughs> it, it, it just, I wish we could have had our cake and eaten it too. You know what I mean? I, 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 I really do. And obviously, obviously we couldn't. Obviously, like, fundamental rules of television writing demand that we just couldn't because the final season would have been way too overstuffed if they did what I'm just saying, what I am proposing. Like, obviously, that's a terrible, terrible, terrible idea from so many storytelling perspectives. But still, still... Ugh, I, I love Dominic so much. This dude's such an amazing villain. Honestly, like, it's Greer and then this dude. Like, those are the two best villains of person of interest for me. I, I love Dominic so freaking much. But anyway, we get these interrogations. Eventually, it is revealed uh, that Harper has not actually switched sides. Uh, turns out this is yet another job, yet another contract given to her by the machine. The machine has told her, like, hey, I'll give you this absurd amount of money if you save these guys' asses. And she did that by inserting herself into the situation and sort of elongating their lives as much as possible so she can find a way to get them out of there. While all this is happening, something else is brewing where one of... One of Dominic's people, one of Dominic's lieutenants, finds a message in one of the pneumatic tube canisters basically confirming that there is a mole on the inside of the Brotherhood, that there is a mole on the inside of Dominic's organization. And so he immediately, as all crime bosses who just found out they have a mole do... Gets very obsessed with, like, okay, who is the guy? Who is the guy? Who is the guy? Who is infiltrating my organization? Who is infiltrating my organization? Like, who's who's the rat? And so he interrogates Elias about this, and Elias is like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, this is after, by the way, Dominic does this amazing threat of just, like, uh, write out this message saying uh, the exact address of the Brotherhood's headquarters, and right, Veni Vidi Vici, uh, I came, I saw, I conquered, they got it right this time, they figured it out this time, the right way of Veni Vidi Vici, like, remember the old days when they thought it was, I came, I saw, I won, <laughs> oh, I hate, look, I love this show, but whoever thought Veni Vidi Vici translated to I came, I saw, I won and wrote that into the episode and put that on television is a goddamn idiot. <laughs> He's a goddamn idiot who should be made fun of until his dying day because Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I say his, by the way, normally I try not to assume gender, but I say his because no woman is that stupid. Uh <laughs> It's only men. Being a man, I can confirm this. <laughs> Being a man who is also a moron. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, so basically, he has him write out a message for 
his forces to take one last stand, going right to the Brotherhood's headquarters and just wipe them out entirely. And Dominic's like, I'm going to send this to your men, unless you tell me who the traitor is. And Elias is like, okay, uh, I send money to this account. Uh, you can see you can see who it is from there. And Dominic does the research and finds out that the traitor is Link, his right-hand man, and just shoots him right on the spot in this really, really incredible scene uh, that both Winston Duke and Jamie Hector. By the way, Jamie Hector uh, went on to play J. Edgar in Bosch. Uh, and I really, really like Bosch, so that... I forgot he was in this, quite honestly, and it was nice to start to see him come on screen way back in the first episode of this season and be like, oh, it's J. Edgar! Yay! He is playing a very different character this time. Uh, <laughs> he played a very different character back in the day. Uh, but... Link is dead. Dominic killed Link because Link was a traitor. And then Elias just starts laughing. And he's like, hey, idiot. I... There was never any traitor. I orchestrated all of this. I intentionally gave you all these breadcrumbs leading you here, leading you to that message, leading you to know there is a traitor in your organization. And then I led you to believe that it was your friend. So now you just killed your friend for no reason. How does it feel to be the cause of your friend's death? So Elias... Gave Dominic a very cerebral form of revenge. Like, Elias had to kill Anthony. Had to kill Scarface. Now he has made Dominic kill Link. It's just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So, we have that entire storyline. Jesus Christ, it's 13 minutes in, and I haven't even gotten to any of the Samaritan stuff. Oh my god. So, we still have the ever-present threat of Samaritan trying to locate the machine. And in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all this paranoia around that, we get a call from Shaw. Saying, I need help, and then getting cut off. This renews Root's obsession with saving Shaw to the point where she demands the machine help her again. And instead of just throwing a fit, is like, okay, I'm going to go up on this tall building, on the ledge of this tall building, shut my eyes and walk back and forth on this ledge until either A, you help me, or B, I fall to my death. God, this scene is so good. It's so good on so many levels. It has so much tension. Uh, it reinforces Root's love and devotion to Shaw and her obsession with getting her back. Uh, it builds out the machine as a character in kind of how... And this is kind of an overall theme of this whole episode. We'll get to it in a minute with this ending. But, like, how the machine views her quote-unquote, assets. Uh, her soldiers, her acolytes, as I think Greer called them once. How the machine views the people it, it has recruited. How the machine views the people she has recruited. 
Like, and are they just pawns who are interchangeable, or are they truly people that are special to her, like, in a familial or friend or whatever applies here sort of way? Like, it's a perfect scene that's just so brilliant in every possible way and so deeply layered. Eventually, this ends with the machine going, like, Okay, yeah, fine. I'll help you get y'all. I'll I'll help you get this. And Finch the entire time is uh objecting, like, no, this is a trap, this is a trap, this is a trap, this is very clearly a trap, this is very clearly a trap. And it's like, yeah, it probably is. I don't care. I'm gonna save Shaw. And so the machine tracks the call to this asylum. And so Finch and Root sorta of do this big ol' infiltration. They hack them, they walk in there, and by the way, the, the the initial hack, Finch is able to get, like, some communications from Samaritan that confirm that Samaritan's very, very, very close to finding the machine. So now this is no longer just about saving Shaw, it's about finding the machine. As if the stakes of saving Shaw weren't high enough already. And so they go in there, we get this hilarious sequence of Root carting in Finch as, like, this mental patient. Like, this turnabout fair play of, like, Hey, remember that time you forced me into the loony bin? And now I'm carting you in there. (laughs) And Root telling Finch, like, Hey, find Lenny and tell him they stole his spaceman. And it just, like, apparently it's causing this, like, violent outburst, causing this violent diversion for Finch to go in and access access surveillance cameras and hack the, hack the information of this hospital. Uh, They go up to this restricted floor, Root goes up to this restricted floor, is able to find certain rooms, and when she goes up to this restricted floor... She finds this isn't just a mental hospital. This is Samaritan's base of operations. You know that, like, mysterious room? You know that mysterious uh, little operations room we've been finding Greer in this entire season? Yeah, that's where that's located. We found the location of that room. And then uh, Finch is able to find a room with a patient matching a pretty close description of Shaw. They go in there. The room's abandoned. We see down on the ground Shaw being pulled away, being pulled into a car. And being driven away, we just missed her. And of course, who's waiting for Root but Martine, uh, who he, who she has this amazing showdown with, this super well choreographed fight, this super well done fight that I absolutely love. Eventually, this results in Root being captured and being forced onto an operating table. And she's resisting, she's resisting, she's resisting. Uh, Greer comes in, uh, he's got Finch captured, 
And Greer's like, okay, so, so here's the thing. I know it looks like we're about to find the machine, but we really can't find the machine. It has proven very difficult. So, um, sort of a last-ditch effort. Uh, so you have that implant in your head that gives you a direct line to the machine. We're just going to, you know, cut you open and remove that. And see what happens. I mean, look, we we don't really have any better ideas at this point. We literally, we literally tore apart an entire security software company and repurposed its entire product just to search for this machine around the world. And that hasn't worked out, so this is really our best option. And Rue has this absolutely badass moment where she wriggles, wriggles free just enough to reach over to Martine, who is gloating hard in this moment. To reach over to Martine and just brutally, like, snap her neck. Just brutally murder her. And it's just like, okay, now I surrender. Like, just, (laughs) she's not even trying to fully free herself. She's not even trying to get away. She's just like, okay, look, if you're going to cut my head open and do all that whole deal, at least let me kill this asshole who is responsible for the disappearance of Shaw. Uh, And she got that. She got that vengeance and is now like, all right, fine, I surrender. And Finch, of course, goes on this monologue of like, oh, Samaritan doesn't see any of you as, like, important. Like, you're all disposable to it. And Greer's like, yeah, that's, that's the point. I don't think you really understand this villain thing. Like, really, like, none of us give a crap at all about any morals. <laughs> like, we're all, we're all evil. Do you understand the concept of evil, Finch? <laughs> I just love, this is why I love the Samaritan thing. I'm joking about it, but really, it's so fascinating that... Finch delivers, like, all these brilliantly crafted reasons why Samaritan's evil and why no one should follow Samaritan and why Samaritan is just the absolute worst and it's just a Pandora's box and the worst idea. And Greer never rebuttals any of that. He never pretends like he's living in this other reality. He's just like, yeah, I know that. I just don't care. Like, in season three, like, when Finch was like, you're a fool to think you can control Samaritan. And he's like, I don't want to control it. And now again with the, like, you're all disposable to it. Yeah. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care if I'm disposable. We're all disposable next to, like, these uh, big AI gods. Like, it's just... Moments like that are what make Greer such an imposing villain. Like, he knows the problems. He knows the slippery slope. Ethically speaking, but, like, he doesn't care because to him, the end justifies the means. Uh, to him, like, a perfect world justifies being enslaved to an all-powerful AI uh, and being treated as nothing more than pawns and being totally irrelevant. 
But then Samaritan, on the eve of Root getting this operation, like with seconds to go, is like, okay, look, machine, I know you're watching. We will spare these guys' lives. We will spare the lives of your agents if, if you give up your location. And they give it a one-minute timer. And Root's, like, staring at the security camera, begging the machine, like, don't do it. Don't give up your location. We're expendable. We, like, Finch is right. We are totally, like, w- like you can replace us. Like, just don't give up your location. And then, like, in the most amazing way, like, the power goes out. Like, all the lights are dead. And on the monitors, you see the machine... Like, saying, like, spelling out in words, no, Finch is wrong, you're not expendable, release them first, I will give you my location. And they get released, and the machine gives up its location to Samaritan. So now Samaritan knows exactly where the machine is, and they're going to fetch it. And Finch and Root have to track it down before Samaritan can. Meanwhile, this is still not the end of the episode, or this is still not the end of stuff that happens in the episode. Meanwhile, Control is fully railing against Samaritan. Uh, She has captured a woman she believes to be the handler for all of Samaritan's agents. Like, just off the street. Uh, Has this great opening scene where the brakes in the car are cut, and... She crashes, and they, like, fake her death, and then uh, bring her out, like, to interrogate her, and it's great. Uh, But the entire time, they keep coming back to this interrogation process, where she's asking, like, uh, tell me about Samaritan, tell me about Samaritan, tell me about Samaritan, how many agents are you handling? And this woman's like, I don't know what you're talking about, I don't know who Samaritan is, I'm just a teacher, I have children, and Control's like, Look, we have a bunch of pictures that clearly show you are not who you say you are. Meeting with agents in the White House. Like, you are clearly not a teacher. You are clearly not anything you say you are. And then this woman completely shifts to being, like, hardcore drinking the Samaritan Kool-Aid. And in the midst of this, Control finds out that Samaritan is planning a quote-unquote correction. Planning to take a whole bunch of threats out, a whole bunch of deviants out, in order to create a better world, or at least what it views as a better world. It's happening very, very soon. And Control is now the only one who knows about it, especially since Control, after she learns this information, immediately kills this woman. Uh, So Control is the only person who knows this correction is about to happen. And so now, like, we have this other layer on top of all of this. Holy crap, there's so much going on. Like, Jesus Christ. Get ready for that finale. That's all I'm saying. Like, I'm gonna do that finale tomorrow. I'm gonna talk about that. It's... It's gonna be something. 
It's gonna be something. That's all I have to say. Uh, if you like this, favorite podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash ThomasClark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll put up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Tomorrow we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 22, the season finale. Talk to you then.